just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to the uh, new and improved Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Food Crew Media. I don't know who we're sponsored by. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm Jacob Krasno alongside my co-hosts, Sean Haspel and Allison Whitlock. Uh, how's everybody doing? How are we feeling? Good. Excited. Just had the last Sunday without football for five months. Yeah. College football has been like a nice little appetizer, but uh real thing, uh, double dose starts next weekend and um, yeah, it's season's here. So whether we, whether we're ready or not. Yeah. We need that Pedialyte handy next Sunday for me and Sean. <laughs> it'll be, a, it'll be an early one. 10 a.m. Yes. Gotta West love Coast. West Coast. West Coast kickoff times are just amazing. Brutal. I think it's incredible because, well, it's not going to be incredible when you guys have to manage with the London game this year. But, like, Uh, both uh, the Saints and the Giants have back-to-back London games. So, it's like we just, like, wake up at 9 a.m. and, like, are your teams playing? It's kind of electric. Yeah. We'll be awake at 6.30. Yeah. Not as electric for you. (laughs) No. Okay. So, we're sort of, you know – relaunching the black and gold bs brand um so this podcast if you're listening to it you're probably listening to it on the old boot crew feed but uh beginning with the first week we will have our own dedicated black and gold bs podcast feed so if you're listening go ahead and follow the new feed um and like and subscribe and leave comments and reviews and you know do all the podcast things um, so if you're new to, uh, to the podcast, I'm Jacob, lifelong Saints fan, uh, former broadcast professional, worked for Channel 4 and WBRZ, um, and now I work in the film and television industry. So I have a little bit of credibility when it comes to, uh, the sports media landscape. Um, Sean and Allison, who are you? I'm Allison Pratt now, formerly Whitlock. Um, and I think I called I, you Whitlock at the beginning. You did, but that's okay. You've been calling Worse me that for 16 years, I think. That's <laughs> um, and I have absolutely no sports media or broadcasting experience, but I do have 32 years of Saints fandom experience and NFL fandom experience um, and coming up with my own opinions mostly based in fact but often based in subjective emotion and feelings about my team um so that's what i'll be bringing to the yeah i also i i would wager that if we took an iq test you would have the highest iq out of the three of us so you're you're the brains of the operation she's the brains that's true we're the meatheads allison took ap calc bc in high school so you know. And I got a five on the test. Yeah. <sighs> Jacob's yeah. glad good. And I, I should mention, too, I live in New York. So I have some national point of view in terms of, like, there's a lot of Saints dislike. And I'm also surrounded by teams that are trash in terms of what I have to watch when I'm not watching the Saints. So I bring some sort of a cynicism around that, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've got. The irony of the three of us, as as big a Saints fans as we are, is none of us live in New Orleans anymore. We're all transplants in other big cities, so you know we get to see uh, how the other the other side thinks about our franchise. But Sean, you want to and interacts with their own. Yes. Yeah. True. It's it's very uh, interesting study in in fandom for sure, but. Um, Hi, I'm Sean Haspel, uh, lifelong Saints fan. I'm working sports marketing, actually, and uh, spent a bit of time doing that um, back in New Orleans uh, for the Saints and Pelicans uh, before 
um, another job in the uh, digital sports marketing field took me out here to Phoenix, where I currently reside, but um, still black and gold to the death of me. Yes. Uh, yeah, so the, the sort of ethos of the podcast, you know, we say we're irreverent, and we are, but <laughs> it's more about, like, the the emotional highs and lows of being a fan and, like, what that means. Um, and I think uh, we end up being more earnest on the podcast than we are irreverent a lot of the times. And I think we have some poignant things to say. And this is... Uh, uh, an inauspicious or auspicious is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but it's, uh, it's a yeah. It we're recording this the day after LSU lost one of like the most egregious, like they lost in one of the most like insane ways I've ever seen uh, against Florida State, and it got me thinking about like like why 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 are we fans of these teams right like so much in life is out of our control and we care so much about LSU and, and the saints, but like, it's something that is like so completely out of our control. And we dedicate so much time and energy to it. And more often than not, we get a fucking pie in the face um, as evidenced by the game last night. Um, yeah, and it got me thinking about like why why do we do this? Why do we torture ourselves? And it's like my take on it is that it's it's like a reflection of life itself, you know. If you if you put yourself out there in life and you dedicate yourself to things, you're going to have to weather the rejections and and the lows and but when there is a high, you know, when your team wins the national championship or the Super Bowl or what have you, those happy moments make everything worth it. And uh, you can't have the good without the bad. For sure. So, yeah. The journey is the destination, as they say. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, I think that's, that's spot on. Definitely cosign all that, Jacob. Very well said. And, and I'd like to also add on to that, that I think sports fandom, um, not just like our beautifully tortured Saints fandom and, and that of like LSU as well, but um, just like sports fandom in general um, provides like, a sense of like community and shared experiences through the, both the good and the bad. And like, that's something that like us, I mean, we're getting a little far off the reservation here, but that's like something that humans are like, like genetically programmed to have. Like we crave like connections to like like-minded groups and tribes and people. And that's like sports is like filled that, uh, that like primal need for us. I mean, for like literally hundreds of years, generations. So, um, and like with no sign of slowing down for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, th the saints are like a beautiful reason that like a city like New Orleans that is like ethnically, racially, culturally, socioeconomically diverse and with like a myriad of issues and like serious like issues and problems can be like brought together and unified to an extent and you have people that would like normally never interact in their day-to-day -day lives, like high-fiving and hugging in a bar or at the Superdome itself um, over like shared moments or like just standing there in, in, in stunned silence, just like having witnessed some catastrophic way the Saints have lost over the years. And just like having those, those bonding moments, it's something unique that like really like only sports and like religion to an extent can provide so um so we like to explore those things here at black and gold bs and uh hope uh anyone uh who's listened to us before um or new listeners um kind of enjoys some of our takes on these these weird saints topics that uh we we like to think about yeah yeah beautifully <laughs> stated Thank very you. very poignant and i'll agree even outside of the city I often see people, if you see somebody in a Saints hat or shirt in Brooklyn, like I'm going to go talk to them. And then it like yeah. often ends up making both of our days that we can talk about why Jameis is the answer or why it's okay that Dennis Allen is taking over and I'm not uncomfortable about it. Right. Um, and that happens on <laughs> a random Tuesday morning when I'm walking my dog, you know? So like 
that wouldn't happen otherwise if you didn't have that passion. I see I mean, a lot of like randomly I'll see cars with like Saints bumper stickers like in LA and I'm always like, ooh, oh I gotta follow them. I wanna see yeah. who that is. Like I just have to talk to these people. Um, yeah, you run into Saints fans in these big cities all the time and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it goes without saying, but like the Saints are the reason why we're all talking to each other at this moment. It's yes. like one of the reasons that our, our friendship has survived for almost two decades at this point. So um, yeah, it just, it's all about like bringing people together and uh, enjoying a good time. And um, I, that's, that all sounds very poetic when uh, like less than a week from now, I'm going to be screaming red faced at my television <laughs> after like something dumb inevitably happens. So yeah, that's, yes. that, that's the experience there. The saints were indeed the, the genesis of, of the, the triumvirate here. Sean and I have known each other since preschool, but Allison didn't come into the picture until we were all at Newman in high school. Um, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the one time in English class, Allison and I were having a discussion in the spring of 2006 about who should be the next Saints quarterback. And I don't remember what we agreed upon, but I held up my hand to give you a high five and you left me hanging. I'll never forget that. Yikes. I wonder who it was right. Brutal. Brutal. We'll never know. No, we won't. Lost to the sands of time. Yeah. Okay. So with all that said, how are we feeling about the 2022 Saints? That's a pretty open-ended question. It is. Um, Yeah, maybe I should specify. A lot's going on in in the offseason. It's been like a pretty It's been a while since we... Yeah, since we potted in this space, but um, yeah, we you know there was the ill-fated Deshaun Watson pursuit. Yes, which we discussed yeah. as as nauseum, and we've we definitely like had some amazing homecoming signings like Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, um, a pretty successful Saints draft as a whole. Um, probably the biggest uh, non-draft, non-free agency uh, news of the offseason, though uh, was a trade that occurred in the last uh, few days, really. And uh, Jacob, I know that trade hit you hit you pretty hard um, as evidence. It did. There the was a lot about that. So. That situation rubbed me the wrong way for a few reasons. Well, like, what situation like, is that? Well, so <laughs> as we all I'm probably assuming. know, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you know, got traded. Yeah, everybody <laughs> but knows. But we can that. clarify. CD Deuce got traded. It's well, so what bothered me about it, I mean, obviously, like in the moment, it, it sucks to wake up and see that like a beloved saint has been traded for like a bag of stale zaps. And like it felt really out of the blue. Like it felt completely out of left field. And like Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast had apparently had tweeted that he thought CJ might get traded. And his name had come up in the Deshaun Watson talks. But nobody like ever really talked about it like in like the sports, the, the, the local New Orleans like sports media. I, I don't remember ever really reading any real speculation or thoughts about him potentially being moved. And like as soon as it happened, Underhill, you know, Nick Underhill, the, the goat of Saints Beat reporters, had like a story like ready to go as if he knew that this was something that might happen. And like, my question was if CD Deuce was like visibly unhappy at camp and was causing problems, like why didn't anybody say anything about that? Like to me, that's like very newsworthy. And I know that you're not allowed to report things that are said on the sidelines at camp, but if a player is like, like visibly unhappy and like the fans can see it, like, why didn't anybody say anything? That just is really odd to yeah. me. I think it's it's a tough situation for someone who covers the team, like Nick Underhill or Jeff Duncan or or any anyone uh, from that crew. But like, it, unless they like have some like hard sourcing saying that like the Saints have been actively trying to trade a player X, then like. I feel like they would get roasted for putting out 
it's kind of like some innuendo and things like that. And like the fan base would be like, oh, you're just trying to like stir up gossip, like stir up rumors and stuff. Um, but then like the flip side is that they like don't report anything. And then like a situation like this where the like, fan base feels blindsided. So I, I can kind of see it both ways, but um, yeah, I agree with you in that. Like I, if I was still a reporter, like I would not report something that is like speculation or, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they knew that he was on the trading block and it's just one of those information exchanges where the team is like, don't report this. Like you cannot say anything about this and in, in exchange will drop you some other nugget or something like that. Um, right. Put like what, an embargo on it. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, but I think it's like a separate issue. If a player is like visibly unhappy, like if he is like yeah. acting a fool at practice, like how is that not something that you mention? Yeah. Like to me, that's no different than a big play or like it's, it's something that's newsworthy. And I just, I thought it was strange that it just yeah. came out of the blue like this and not a single person like said anything. Right. I mean, that I also could, could be like technically construed as like opinion. I mean, I guess if they like couched it as like their opinion, like this is something to look out for, but like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's a little different than like, Oh, this guy had a great catch because that's like a verifiable fact as opposed to sure. like, yeah. But no, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying though. But I mean, the, the, the regardless of like what, sh how it should have been reported out um, and like who knew what, when, like the fact is like, I mean, Nick Underhill saying that he like wasn't talking to coaches anymore. Jeff Duncan was saying that like when he tweaked his ankle a few weeks ago, he was basically yelling at the co the coaches and team personnel saying, Oh, this is like what you guys wanted to like tank my, like, uh, like contract potential earnings. And it was just like seemingly a toxic situation all around. I mean, this, I know the saints have like super young DBs, uh, in Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor that they're like very, very high on, um, their potential. Um, and, I don't think they would necessarily want a guy like Chauncey potentially like spoiling the, the batch of apples um, and like really kind of toxifying the locker room to an extent. Um, and honestly, like I wouldn't be shocked if Chauncey was more popular amongst the fan base than he was among his own teammates. Um, I'd think that, I, I would believe that the guys like really liked his energy and like, he was like one of their brothers and stuff, but like and they enjoyed playing with him. But if you noticed, like there wasn't like an outpouring of like overt tweets or like even like sub tweets saying that like players were like upset by his departure. Like Cam Jordan put out like a very like um, kind of like perfunctory, like, Oh man, like one of my dogs, like, then like that was kind of it. And like yeah. DeMario Davis, who's like with Cam, like the leader of the defense, um, he, he like had a very like long, eloquent answer at his uh, first like, media availability um, after the trade when he was asked about it, just kind of saying like, this is the business basically. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I know it like hurts us as a fan because he really like embodied um, kind of just that like edge that we love our team to play with so much and like obviously he's like he's like Saints Twitter personified. Yes, exactly. He's petty and crazy and yes. unpredictable, and he that's like what made not him afraid. So yeah, he was not afraid to speak, like literally get in Tom Brady's face after like we like raw dogged them <laughs> last year in Tampa, like which was one of the greatest like. So I, I mean, I think Ralph Marlboro says, and I probably agree, like that was like one of the most fun Saints games since the no call, um, honestly. And um, sure. And like CJ will like will forever have that place in our memory, um, like as a beloved player on the team. Like, um, but uh, but like even like aside from his like some of his faults as a player, like he like had a bunch some coverage busts and like he wasn't like a perfect player by any means. Um, he also like, is this also the guy who like punched or got punched by Michael Thomas or so like, yeah, 
I don't know. He he was definitely not like without flaws. So um, yeah, it's one of those deals where like I can't imagine they. I mean, they didn't just like trade him for like fun, like and with the especially given the return that they got, like they That's did it because they felt they had to. Like, and yeah, we so. Didn't get- anything of value back comparatively so right it feels more like a like a we had to do this dumped him he was a distressed asset and like and he he we got what we got for him because that was the market for him like the rest of the league knew he was a distressed asset on an expiring contract and like you can't as the saints negotiate from like a any position of strength when that's the dynamic. So um, it sucks, but uh, going back to like one of our themes from this offseason, like the benefit of the doubt for the Saints, like I'm going to trust them to a degree that they knew this was a move they had to make and that the risks of keeping him well outweigh the risks of his replacement's like being they like a major gave, disaster. They yeah. gave it the most time that they possibly could. Like it was like yeah. way before the 53 man roster. So sure. it's like, I think they were trying to make it work. And then it became clear that it was not possible. Yeah, for but sure. It's yeah. not to say that they didn't like attempt to, to do whatever they could. Right. Logically. Yeah. Yeah. Making a stupid person. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an impulsive decision. Correct. Well, and then like beyond that and like more specifically to this situation, like with Dennis Allen being the head coach now, like the secondary is his baby. And I think we talked about this like off air previously, but like I almost am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that as long as like he is the man and his like defensive staff is in place running the team, running the defense specifically, like our secondary is going to be solid to, to good at minimum for that time. Like it's almost like the inverse of the Peyton years where we almost like took our offense for granted after a certain point, like not, 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 we didn't take them for granted. We took the fact that they would be good as like a given because, and they were like, they were in elite offense for 15 years. Um, and it was the defense more or less that like held us back periodically. So, um, so like, it's like the inverse of that situation. And, like the CJA deal wouldn't have gone down without DA's like stamp of approval. So um, I don't know, like it sucks to see like, again, like a fan favorite go, but like it hasn't like greatly diminished my outlook on this season. And also just like overall in the NFL, I feel like this was a really tumultuous off season for like a lot of teams in terms of like, huge key players changing teams. Like even Mike and I were talking about it, like there's going to be like really insane things that you kind of forgot happened in the off season. Like yeah. I forgot Devonte Adams is on the Raiders at, for, yeah. for one small example of like a huge key player from a playoff team switching right. teams. And that is not the case here. Like I right. feel like the core of our team is better than it was a year ago, even with this way right. better. And so like, it doesn't worry me at all in terms of like, the season outlook compared to like some other teams being like, are you the same offense without Tyreek Hill? Or are you the same yeah. defense without Chauncey Gardner Johnson? Like exactly. It's, you know not I mean? a, yeah. it's not yeah. apples to apples for sure. Yeah. I, I always like to bring it back to pizza, right? And my pizza metaphors, like CJ, GJ, whatever, like CD deuce is like, he's like the frozen tombstone pizza that's in my freezer, you know, in case hypothetically, if I were to get drunk, and need to eat something late at night that pizza is really delicious and it's a luxury and i kind of have to use it because otherwise i'll feel really bad if i don't eat anything and then i eat it and it serves its purpose and then the next day you have like leftover frozen pizza and you're like i think the value of this pizza like it's more valuable to just not it's better for my body to not eat this leftover pizza so i'll throw it out like it served its purpose and yeah. it didn't I'm bring you gonna... joy anymore. Like right. Marie Kondo would say. Yeah. Like it, it's better for my life. The team that is my, the cells and molecules that make up my body 
to put the pizza in the trash mm -hmm. and to know it should be in, in harmony. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like that's the way it was with CD deuce. It just, it was better to move on. And that's that. And we got to trust the saints brain trust to make the right decision. But yeah, like, like you're both saying, it sucks to lose him just from like a fan standpoint, but my expectations overall really haven't changed. Yeah. The defense will still be good. The offense appears to be healthy with way better weapons than last season. Jameis is going to have a lot it's of like help. the understatement of the year. Yes. Yeah. So how are we feeling about 2022 in general? Like, do you expect the saints to be good? I think we'll make the playoffs. Like my quick schedule math, I got to 10 and seven minimum. Yeah. With like a couple games where I pause to be like, that'll be close. It could go this way. Knowing we always have that like November suck fest stinker, <laughs> random game. doesn't matter. Always have it. Um, and you'll lose a couple division surprises, but like doing all that, I, it's hard to believe with our roster that unless Jameis tanks, which I just don't believe. Yeah. to be the case like I, I think he is the the key really is how well he does end up playing um and how well we can protect him um and then like I'm less worried about the Kamara suspension because we have Ingram back as long as he's healthy and like I think that that might end up being a next season situation it seems yeah. like really muddy right now anyway right. um that we should be good and like honestly like knock on wood like the first few games of the season are winnable like yeah. five and oh when i was doing it i was like that doesn't feel crazy except that maybe we shouldn't be five and oh but it's doable right yeah so our first three games are falcons on the road bucks at home and then the panthers on the road and i think my take on it is that we'll probably go two and oh you know we'll beat the brakes off of atlanta because they've got nothing i mean Tampa, they're gonna be the worst team in the nfl yeah, Tampa is kind of falling apart. Brady seems a little checked out. The offensive line's banged up. So we'll probably beat them because we kind of have their number anyway. But I see, I think we'll lose in Carolina. Like, I see we that always, being one of – yeah, we don't play there. We don't play well Last there, year, remember that game? I, I yeah, think it was that was the three. COVID game. Yeah. Yeah, that was the game, yeah, where all the coaching staff had the Rona and we had, like, no game plan. Right. Um, yeah. And Jameis got destroyed. Yeah, and it's a little uh, – Christian McCaffrey probably won't be hurt yet, so. That's yeah. true, but if Baker under pressure is trash. So if it's That's like, also true. But I still see a world in which we could lose that game. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with that. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're probably the second-best team in the division after us. They just have a lot of young talent. Yeah, yeah. but I'm not I'm – not, I'm out on that rule. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think the Bucks are obviously the most talented roster otherwise, but I think there's something right weird going on there. There's something weird going on and for whatever reason no one is really talking about. Yeah. And their their O line, as Jacob said, like is Saints last year level banged up um and between like some free agent departures and retirements, like their offensive line is extremely shaky and Brady's another year older, and I would not be shocked if their offense falls off a cliff this year. Also, um, him and Giselle aren't living together right now. What? Yeah. Hot goss, you guys, in the New York Post. I'm telling you, there's like okay. shit going on at home. You living in the media capital of the world <laughs> certainly has its benefits for sure, Allison. Thank you for providing that, that hot tea. His 10-day um, break from training camp, which, by the way, is fucking insane that that would ever be allowed. Don't care who you yeah. are. I think it was to like try to save his marriage. That's wild. So, anyway. <sighs> he was, hate to he, was see he was married to the game before he was married to Giselle. So I was going to have to pick one or the other. Take right? the unretirement well. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> gosh, but uh, but yeah, um, I'm kind of with you, Allison, on the uh, ten and seven. Um, I'm kind of between ten and seven and eleven and six, um, and with yeah. like leaning towards the over there. Um, I just think we're a super talented team um, and uh, deep in 
almost all of our position groups um, besides like linebackers, probably my biggest worry. Um, I mean, love uh, Demario Davis, obviously Pete Werner. Um, I think if he's healthy, will be a really solid starter um, in our kind of like base nickel package. But uh, he, he himself is a little banged up right now with a groin injury. Hopefully it's not like the dreaded sporturnia that requires a trip to the Philadelphia surgeon that everyone goes to see. Um, I'm pretty sure he needs the surgery. Yeah. Like so, your groin. Uh, hey, I've yeah. been there, been there right, multiple times. Right, right. So, so yeah, so we'll see um, his, what his availability is like in the beginning of the year, but um, uh, and so some of the young linebackers flashed in, in the preseason, but uh, definitely a little, little shaky on depth there uh, tight end as well. We have like uh, some interesting options, uh, especially with Taysom moving over there. But uh, no one sure thing. Adam Troutman, obviously, big questions there. Uh, Juwan Johnson, can he be more than just like a f- big wide receiver and like really um, up his blocking? Supposedly he has been. Um, probably taking uh, some coaching tips from his uh, his good friend and neighbor, Chris Shinneberry, um in New Orleans. But <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Besides linebacker and tight end, I think the Saints, even despite Chauncey Gardner's uh, Johnson's um, departure, have like fantastic depth in the secondary. Um, the D line obviously has a ton of depth um, with like multiple um, options on the edge. Um, interior D lines a little thin, um, especially with Malcolm Roach, who had a good camp going um, on IR to start the season, but uh, he'll be back. Um, by uh, all indications. So, and then offense, as we said, uh, we basically added uh, new wide receivers one through three from last year. So our passing game um, should be better. Uh, offensive line, um, Trevor Penning uh, going going down with a, a foot ligament injury, I believe, um, definitely hurts. Uh, he was making a lot of strides in camp and in some of the preseason game, but um, he probably wasn't going to start anyway. And I believe James Hurst, James Hurst is going to be back in time for week one from his own injury. But uh, we had good news. I think it was today on the Trevor Penning front is that um, he'll, he's expected back probably in November. So uh, knock on wood that uh, he and the rest of our O-line um, are able to kind of lock in, stay healthy and um, provide some stability there. And then, I mean, kind of comes down to Jameis. So, um, we don't need him to be a superhero, just kind of distribute the ball, um, to your playmakers and, um, keep us on schedule. Don't turn it over. And, uh, I think we're going to score a lot of points and, uh, with defense as good as ours is projected to be, we don't have to score a ton of points. So yeah, I think I mean, that'll we went a lot of wins. Yeah. Last year with like, just like way worse situation than we have right now. Yeah. See for however much the sports media wants to handicap losing Sean Payton, which right. like we won't know until we're in it, but I just like don't see it being that giant big of a deal right. um, where the consistency is everywhere else mm-hmm. on the coaching staff in particular. Um, but yeah, to say we can't get two more wins just with the offense improvement right. alone feels like kind of ridiculous we didn't even talk about special teams will lutz is back uh, we got a pro yeah. kicker back yeah. and we like arguably lost two games last year um because of like missed extra like a couple missed extra points and some like not that hard to make field goals um and if we win even one of those games we're in the playoffs last year so um it's it's like small margins but um i think they all add up in uh, they're all those part positive indicators. So um, feel pretty good about a, a potential eleven. Um, I know, like a lot of the national media pundits, um, for reasons like, oh no, Sean Payton, like Jameis Winston, like thirty interceptions, like whatever reason, um, they're like down on the Saints. Um, but uh, I don't know, Peter King. I think I shared an article with you guys uh, maybe uh, yesterday, but. Um, Peter King, who's obviously one of the most like well-regarded NFL uh, writers, um, who actually coincidentally was like persona non grata uh, during the Sean Payton era of the Saints uh, after Bounty Gate for a while uh, for his kind of a bootlicking per se of, of uh, Goodell in the league in the fallout of Bounty Gate. But uh, he's back in the Saints' good graces, spent a lot of time at Saints camp um, this offseason. And like he 
um, in his like latest, uh, it's like Monday, Monday, Sunday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, whatever he calls it, um, is like crazy high on the Saints and actually has us also going 11 and six, which he has us being, uh, that being good enough to be the one seed in the NFC overall. Um, I guess winning a tiebreak over the Packers. He has us um, beating the, the Bucks in the divisional, but then falling to the Packers in the NFC Championship game, which if that came to be, I don't, I mean, obviously we'd be bummed to not make the Super Bowl, but I don't think any of us um, in Dennis Allen's first year with everything that's gone on with this team would be uh, too bummed about that result. So um, he also had like Chris Olave being rookie offensive rookie of the year, Jameis finishing, I think third as comeback player of the year and Dennis Allen finishing second as coach of the year. So, um, I mean, if, if Peter King is, is any like close to being right about all those things, then I think um, we'll have a very fun season. Yeah. It's, I've kind of been pleasantly surprised at the amount of national media that is showing some love for the saints. Like Bart Scott picked. Yes. Bart Scott. And Peter King, obviously with his Monday morning QB article. Um, I, I think this is like a 12 to 14 win team because of how deep the roster is. And then you also have to factor in like the rest of the NFC is kind of a wasteland. Yeah. You know, we, couple minutes ago talked about how Tampa's kind of falling apart something weird's going on behind the scenes Rodgers in Green Bay doesn't really have a lot of weapons no um of course they beat us in the Superdome during the COVID year like when Devontae Adams was hurt like Alan Lazard had like a million yards yeah. I don't um, count that game because he was able <laughs> to do his bullshit silent snap trash because yeah. that won't Unless COVID-20 rears its ugly head, like that won't be <laughs> happening if he plays yeah. a game in the Superdome in the playoffs. Um, but like who, who's going to be good in the NFC? Like right. who, who is better than this roster right now? Um, I do, like I do Russell think Wilson is, yeah. is off in the AFC West. Like it's kind of, uh, you know, it's ours for the taking. Like we have the most complete roster in my opinion. In the I, conference, I will say I, I don't we we can't write off the Rams, but yeah, um, I, uh, that's the one that unfortunately and people are, I mean, I think these people are high, but people really like the 49ers as well. I and agree. I don't understand because a fun fact: Kyle Shanahan has a losing coaching record. People love to fucking kiss his feet. Don't understand it. And like Trey Lance is unproven, and then they ended up resigning Garoppolo after like leaving him out of the quarterback room all. Day. Yeah. Like, I don't know why anybody's kissing their feet, but the Rams still have a pretty complete roster that took them to the Super Bowl last year, even though yeah. they should I don't have, acknowledge honestly, the existence of the franchise. I, I also franchise. hate having to acknowledge them, but um, yeah. they are the only other complete roster in terms of depth on offense and depth on defense because i agree i agree with your take on the packers that he doesn't have the weapons he used to have that's just factual yeah. he's even said it rogers like right. he was calling out his all of his new yeah receivers after camp, so. after our secondary like shut down their like yeah new wide receiver core he like had heart to hearts like calling them out and just i don't know in between his like ayahuasca trips so um yeah. i feel like rogers is now in that bubble the age bubble where like any moment his physical skills could drop off a cliff. Right. Like I think he's 37 or 38. He's not, everybody's going to be breeze or Brady. Right. At any moment, his arm could turn into an Al Dante noodle. And I feel that way about Stafford. Oh yeah. A little younger than Rogers, but his dad Stafford's got some wear on his tires. Yeah. Well, he was fighting injury last year at the end. I mean, and he had a he had an yeah he had like an elbow injury this offseason I think it was either elbow or shoulder yeah. not never but he says he's like fine now but we'll see I I did like I don't know everyone just like loves to crown Matthew Stafford and he's got all these commercials now and like yes he seems like a good guy or whatever but like he was like just okay last year and like uh, if you put his stats up against what Jameis did in the six or seven games that Jameis played last year they were pretty damn similar. And James wasn't throwing to Cooper cup either. And James didn't have like an offensive line that was low key, like healthy the entire season and played together all the way through the Super Bowl. So, um, and that was like a big talking point when we 
basically crowned Jameis last year and didn't go after Stafford when he was on the trading block was that Jameis and Stafford's statistics, their career statistics are almost identical. Right. Yeah. And Jameis is younger. Right. Yes. If so, yeah. And I, and I really brought that up to say, like, I don't think it's outrageous at all to think and maybe even expect Jameis to do what Stafford did, did last year. And no. certainly not. No. Like, we haven't seen Michael Thomas play a real season since he broke Marvin Harrison's no. record. Like no, 2020 no. to me, he was like half hurt and like we forced him to play right. and like, it was not what he, we know he's capable no. of doing. Not to mention now you have to consider Olave and you have to consider Jarvis. Like yes, if you're doubling MT, one of those people is going to be open. So yes. fine. Um, that's, that's going to happen with Cooper cup, but they didn't re-sign Odell. I can't think of the other guy's name. Richard Jefferson? Van. Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. They did sign um, Allen Robinson. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, whatever. Then that's the same. Call it the same then. Yeah. We're equally right. talented. Kind yeah. of a push. And, like, yeah. they don't have Alvin Kamara in the backfield either. So, yeah. um, like. Super Bowl hangovers are real. Yes. For sure. Um, so we'll see. Like, and I hate them and I don't want to admit that they're good. So. Right. I, I, <laughs> I, I have I, yet to acknowledge their existence. I, I don't know what team y'all are talking about. <laughs> like, I mean, all of this is to say that like, I don't know if I would go as far as, as like Peter King did and, and project the saints are going to be the one seed and like even, or even like make the NFC championship. But I think it's ridiculous to say that they can't which like seems to be the like group think of so many national um nfl media people and just kind of like the fan base out fan bases outside of our own so um so yeah i mean like let them sleep on us to be honest like vegas like i mean everybody um, Vegas is hardcore sleeping on us. I think for the yeah. odds they've released, we're underdogs in eight of our first fourteen. Yeah, wild. So, uh, I, I, I think we're gonna like pleasantly. Well, it to us it'll be pleasant, but we'll surprise a lot of people um, this year. And uh, I mean, obviously, like health permitting. I feel like I mean it's lame to say, but like it's true. Like health probably plays more um, of an impact in football than like any other sport um, just because of how brutal of a game it is. And it's basically just a war of attrition as we saw last year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, why can't the saints win the NFC? Like, I know I'm not saying they're going to, but why can't they? And I don't think any argument saying that they can't based on who the saints are this year and who the teams they're directly competing against for the NFC are, like makes any sense to say that they can't. So, right. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, what do we think is going to happen next Sunday? Week one. Week one. Saints. 30 birds. 10 a.m. Noon, 1 p.m. Depending on where you are. I feel like the Falcons are this. You never want to like say definitively that we're going to absolutely destroy them because they hate us. And these games always tend to be like weird and wacky and close more times than not. But this Falcons team really doesn't have much going for it. Also, let's not forget, like, I think that's true when it's Matt Ryan who played against us for a decade, like Marcus Mariota, like, sorry, like, good luck to you. Like you're just learning everything and like our defensive line will eat him. Yeah. I think their only shot is if like we, lose contain or something on defense and Mariota gets loose and runs for like a hundred yards and just yeah. destroys us on the ground. I think that's the only way they can win. Cordell Patterson gave us some trouble um, last year, but like, I don't think that's going to happen again. And uh, um, their tight end, like he's talented, but I don't think he's going to give us too much trouble either. So um, if we're like just calling our shot on a score prediction, I'm, I'll think like, 31 13 something like that uh saints win pretty comfortably i think uh chris olave um kind of starts his offensive rookie of the year campaign early and uh mike thomas 
reminds folks um, that uh, he won Offensive Player of the Year uh, not too long ago. So um, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't really like. I don't. I hate hearing how there's you know uncertainty surrounding like whether Mike Thomas will come back to the the form that he played with pre-injury. He played through the injury in 2020 and still had like a hundred yards in the game where he was hurt. So if he's yeah. healthy, like I think it stands to reason he's probably just going to pick right back up where he left it. Yeah. Even if he's moderately healthy, you have to double team him. Right. And now you yeah. have weapons. So like his presence alone is an improvement yeah. for the offense. Yeah. I think, yeah, our 11 personnel is going to be devastating. Like you can't yeah. double any of the receivers and like with Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield, some like interesting yeah, options. There's too many end. options. Taysom, like there's too many. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Allison, and, how do you see the game going? Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. Oh no. I was just gonna say, and then if we like, um, like put four receivers on the field, Deontay Harris flying, flying down on some like nine routes, like this offense is going to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Sean on a big win. I think like 28, 10, I could see the offense getting to a slow first quarter start mm -hmm. just based on how much newness of team members is going on to some degree with like the new wide receivers and Dennis Allen's probably anxious to, you know, make his statement as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a couple of slow drives in the beginning, but the defense will hold and we'll close it out by like the second or third quarter. We had a few of those games last year too, where we just like, I don't think we scored on the opening drive for like a few games in a row in the beginning of the season last year either. Um, save for the Packers game. Um, so yeah, I think we might get to a slow start, but end up winning big um, is my prediction. I'm tempted to be contrarian here and predict that we lose like 13 to 10. Wow. And just, but I we're still like, going to win 14 games. <laughs> as, so like as, as much as I, believe that we'll probably roll over them and just like it'll be like 17 to nothing in the first like five minutes of the game or something like that i just have this voice in the back of my head that's saying we are so confident it's going to go one way that like what we least expect will end up happening and that like may you know maybe there won't be any like injuries or anything like that but the Falcons will come out and just like punch us in the mouth because like nobody expects them to. Right. Like this happened in, in 20, was it 2019 where we lost to them in the Superdome? Like yeah, right after breeze came back from his, his yeah. rib injury or whatever, or his like thumb injury. We scored nine points, but that was not the first game of the season. No, it wasn't. Right. That was our so, November shitter. <laughs> my i'm gonna uh, so i'm gonna hedge my bet my official prediction is that we win 62 to 3 but i would not i would be horrified but like not shocked if something completely unexpected happens and like we just get like punched in the mouth because everybody is like showing us love and we don't maybe the team doesn't take them seriously solid hedge solid hedge yeah, I feel bad even saying that and like putting that juju out into the universe, but I am still You know what? Physically... You're emotionally you're emotionally hedging. Yeah. It's the opposite of last year where we had like no expectations and then week one was fucking incredible. Right. Like, so that's the other end of the spectrum. We yeah. beat the brakes off the, the Packers. Like what's what I'm made... saying, and this is just the opposite. Like I think we all feel really excited and confident and so it's like well wait do i want to just pare back my expectations slightly yeah. so yeah if it's not that i i don't get upset or concerned but after watching lsu look like a dead fish for uh 75 of that game last night and then watching them drive 99 yards score a touchdown with one second left and miss the bat i'm i feel like a wounded puppy a little bit <laughs> like I just don't want to discount the possibility that something like horrendously unexpected happens. That's fine. But we yeah. could also come into potting next Sunday night and maybe the Rams lose to the bills on Thursday. Uh, inshallah. We get a big win. Feeling good. Heading into the big bucks home opener. Yeah. PVO. I hope you're right. Only. 
Yes. Yes. My official prediction is still 62 to three. Yeah. Solid. Solid. Good. Michael Thomas has 27 catches <laughs> for 300 yards. James has a hundred percent completion. Yes. Two. Yeah. I do think it's uh I, I found it really interesting in that final preseason game where Jameis played watching him and Andy Dalton like be so efficient and professional. And then you watch Ian Book like run for his life and not being able to make decisions on the fly and being hesitant, holding on to the football. It goes to show you that like we have a real we have two really if you count Dalton, like legitimate starting quarterbacks with a good roster, yeah. good supporting players. The tools are there. Yeah. The hay's in the barn. Yeah. Let's go win some games. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to get off our chest? Nope. I'm just very excited. Very excited. Been a long off season and uh, one of the best yeah. days of the year. Yeah. First Sunday. All right. I don't know if we're still sponsored by Maker's Mark, but... I thought we were sponsored by Hornitos. I don't know anymore. I shouldn't admit mm. that, but I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> okay. Whoever we're sponsored by will raise a glass to you. Drink sponsored to be named later. And cheers the start of the same season. Your Thank improv you. skills are always on point. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So this has been Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Uh, once we get the new feed up and running, please like and subscribe. Leave comments. You can leave disparaging comments. It will probably be funnier if you do. But uh, definitely give us like five-star ratings. But uh, until next week, I'm Jacob Krasno alongside Allison Pratt and Sean Haspel. So until then. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat?